We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Let's listen to uh, this scripture from uh, Exodus. And um, it starts in Exodus 32, uh, verses 7. The Lord spoke to Moses, hurry up and go down. Your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt are ruining everything. They've already abandoned the path that I commanded. They've they have made a, a metal bull calf for themselves. They'd, they'd bowed down to it and offered sacrifices to it and declared, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I've been watching these people and I've seen how stubborn they are. Now leave me alone. Let my fury burn and devour them. Then I'll make a great nation out of you. But Moses pleaded with the Lord his God. Lord, why does your fury burn against your own people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and amazing force? Why should the Egyptians say, he had an evil plan to take the people out and kill them in the mountains and so wipe them off the earth? Calm down your fierce anger. Change your mind about doing terrible things to your own people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, whom you yourself promised. I'll make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky, and I've promised to give your descendants this whole land to possess for all time. Then the Lord changed his mind about the terrible things he said he would do to his people. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So uh, I think every Christian has some moments where in prayer, they're praying along and you're praying along and you're praying along and you think to yourself, why am I doing this? Like what, what difference is it actually gonna make? You know, is, is the person I'm praying for going to be healed because I prayed for them? And isn't it really up to the surgeon or the physician or, or something? Why am I doing this? And I'll confess that there are times in my life I've been praying and felt like I was just talking to the walls, right? I want to very quickly, before uh, I deal with the topic directly that, that Colin assigned me, by the way, assigned me, uh, he waited, he picked the hardest one about prayer and said, I think I'll let Tom do this one, and gave that to me. Um, I want to just tell you why I pray, and there are nine reasons why I pray. And on the way out, don't, you don't have to write these down, and they're not going to be up on the screen. I've printed off a little sheet of paper you can take with you. Nine reasons why I pray, and I'm going to go through them super fast. One, because Scripture tells me to. It says to pray. So I pray. Second, because Jesus did, and I want to be like Jesus. Jesus often drew, went away to lonely places to pray, it says. Third, because the purpose of prayer is partnership and intimacy with God, and I want that relationship. I want that relationship, and so I pray. A fourth, because prayer is a leading edge in my life. As I pray, I find that my life follows. As I pray for something to happen, I find that I'm, I'm, I'm drawn into acting on, on those prayers. 
So prayer is that leading edge. Uh, a fifth, because prayer positions me correctly before God, puts me in the right posture. You talked about that uh, um, a few weeks ago, the right posture before God. Six, because in a way we don't quite understand, we'll talk about this today, God uses our prayers to change things. Here's number seven, because prayer as a spiritual discipline is part of the backbone of my faith, which I can hang the substance of my faith. In other words, the, it's a discipline that um, if you keep doing on days that your faith is low, you're still praying. And on days that your faith is high, you've got your, your, you, your, you have this skeleton, uh, this discipline on which to hang your, 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 your faith. So prayer is something you do when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it, right? It is a discipline. And then eighth, because prayer together as a community aligns us into God's purposes. It pulls us together. When we pray together, when we all tune ourselves to, uh, uh, to concert A, then we're all tuned to one another. So when we pray together, we, we align ourselves together. And then number nine, because of the witness of so many great Christians. Every, every Christian giant that I look up to and I think, golly, I just, I would love to have that kind of faith, that kind of spiritual strength. Every one of them took prayer seriously across the theological spectrum. Right from whether you're, you're charismatic and Pentecostal or whether you're Roman Catholic and liturgy's the thing, prayer is, is, those people took prayer seriously. Every church that I want to be like takes prayer seriously across the theological spectrum. So I figure if it's working, like why not, why mess with it, right? So those are the nine reasons that I pray, and uh, maybe get you to ask yourself why you pray. And you can pick up those, um, those on the way out. So here's the uh, question Colin has assigned to me. <clears throat> Does a prayer change or influence God? And here's my answer, yes. Let us pray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. I, uh, that, that, that's not it. I'm not going to quit there. That would, have been, that would have been too easy. No, the primary, here's, what, here's the topic sentence for today's uh, sermon. Um, <clears throat> prayer is uh, a partnership. The primary purpose of prayer is a partnership with God. To partnership to partner with God in accomplishing God's purposes. So as we pray, God says, look, we're in this together. It's the thing I want you to remember, that prayer is, God says to us in prayer, we're in this together. So what you do, how you pray, does matter. Because God puts us in relationship with him. So um, the, the, let me just say, here are the ways that that prayer does not change God. Because I, I, I'm gonna spend as much time on that as I do on how prayer changes God. First of all, it doesn't change the character of God. What, you, what we see in this passage is a God who relents, right? God has this, I'm gonna destroy them, and then Moses prays and God relents of that. 
But here's what I would tell you. That's the story of Scripture from the beginning because that is God's character. God is a God who relents. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, the, the, the Scripture says that, that God said to Adam and Eve, um, you can eat of all of those fruit, but don't eat of that one. And he, here's the way the Hebrew says it literally. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then the, the devil says, no, you won't. You'll just have your eyes opened. And they eat of it. And that day, do they die? Death comes into the world for sure. I mean, that's how death enters the world through their sin. But not on that day. God's love for them was too great. God relents. And then we get the, here's the punishment. You'll have pain in childbearing, and you, the, the uh, earth will, will be, uh, thorns and thistles will be all it produces for you, he says to the man. Cain and Abel, right? He cast Cain out of the garden. God cast Cain out of the garden, and Cain says, wait a minute, I'm out here on my own. They're going to kill me. So God says, oh, okay, and he puts a mark on Cain to protect him. Uh, the, the story of Noah. Um, I'm going to destroy the world completely. Oh, wait. No, not completely. Uh, here, here's, I'm going to just, I'm going to save this remnant to rebuild it again. This picture of a God who is, whose character is to, um, is to be a, a, a compassionate God whose love for us is so great. I remember when uh, I was a parent of teenagers and they would do something wrong. And I would say, you are grounded for the rest of the year. No TV, no computer, nothing for the rest of the year. And they would look at me like, yeah, right. <laughs> you are not going to punish yourself that way. I know it. <laughs> I know you will be miserable if you do that. So we're like somewhere along the way. Of course we relent uh, for our own sanity, not just, for, uh, not just for them. But there is that sense of this God whose fury rises and then whose nature is, whose compassion for us is so great. That's what led to the cross, right? This desire to say that our sin is not so terrible. Well, no, our sin is so terrible. But God's character is such that even despite that sin, God loves us and gives his son for us. That is the character of God. So our prayers don't change that. That's built in. In fact, about half of the, if you read the Old Testament rabbis who talk about this passage, the Old Testament rabbis, half of them say God was just testing Moses. He had no intention of this. No, no, he was just seeing if Moses understood him as that God who relents. I don't know. So it doesn't change the character of God. Here's, here's the, uh, the second thing. It is not a... Prayer is not um, a cosmic Amazon that you pray to and it's delivered the next day, right? Uh, or even same day sometimes, right? Uh, it's not this like, you know, we get to say, yes, I'm going to pray for this and then automatically it's going to happen. We know that. Uh, we, we, we know that from the beginning. 
And we know that sometimes God answers our prayers in a way that isn't the way we had planned, right? Uh, I, you're probably familiar with this uh, kind of common, um, oh, I guess it's a prayer, a reflection. I asked for strength and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom and God gave me problems to learn to solve. I asked for prosperity and God gave me a brain and brawn to work. I asked for courage and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for love and God gave me people to help. I asked for favors and God gave me opportunities. I received nothing I wanted. I received everything I needed. Or, or, or I would say in the words of the great uh, theological duo, um, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, you can't always get what you want, but try some time, and you will find you get what you need. Uh, that is, right, we pray, and it doesn't always come the way we want it to. So I would say maybe no, it doesn't change things that way. But most of all, I would say that what this passage teaches us is that when we pray to God, it, it, does not, it, it, uh, it does not change God's ultimate will, God's ultimate purposes. Those were preset and predetermined. I, have, I want to give you a little background uh, and give you some concepts that have been helpful to me. In um, 1944, uh, a, a, a man named Leslie Weatherhead uh, wrote, it was... He was the pastor of City Temple in London, and he wrote a little book. It's called The Will of God. Um, I give it away to folks periodically. And um, in it, he, he talks about just that horrible conversation you have with someone in which they've gone through some tragedy, and then someone in the conversation says, well, it must be the will of God. It just must be the will of God. And he said, that's just, that's so confusing. Like, is that, what, what, is that what the God, you know, wants to take your little child away from you? Does that make sense? And so he goes through this conversation, and I, I, want, uh, I want you to, to, to see it in this scripture first. The first thing he says is that in, here that we have this, that God has an ultimate purpose that will not be thwarted. So he quotes from the, King, the old King James of, of Job, uh, Job 42.2, which says, I know that you can do anything. No plan of yours can be opposed successfully. That's the, the common English Bible version. That, that, look, here's your ultimate purpose, and nothing is going to stand in that way. Our prayers are not going to change that. Our lack of prayers are not going to change that. God's ultimate purpose will one day be accomplished. Our prayers or no prayers. So here's where we see that in this scripture. Look at verse 10. Now leave me alone. Let my fury burn and devour them. Then I'll make a great nation out of you. So what he's doing, he's quoting Genesis where he says, where, where God says to Abraham, I will bless you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. This is God's ultimate purpose. God's ultimate purpose is that the people of Israel will be a blessing to the whole world. And so nothing is going to thwart that. 
That is God's ultimate purpose. And our prayers aren't going to change whether or not that happens. But here's where the change does come. I was telling you about uh, the book, The Will of God, and he talks, you'll have to forgive the sexist language here, this is 1944 in the midst of, of the bombings on London, and he uses the, the male language here, the gender. There are three uh, components to the will of God. The first he talks about is God's intentional will. In other words, God, what God intends from the beginning Right? God intends Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of the tree, right? But that wasn't his intent. Oh, let's put Adam and Eve here so that they'll sin. Of course not, that wasn't his intent. So there's an, an intentional will. And then the second he says, so evil comes into the world. Sin comes into the world and, that, and the world is broken and bad things are happening. And in the midst of that, what is God's will? What is God's purpose? How will, how will uh, God accomplish something into, into this moment? And then you have God's, um, God's ultimate will, what God ultimately will, will do. Let me give you an example out of the Will of God book. Um, a father is talking to his son. Again, remember it's 1944, so we've uh, got this, this sexist picture here. A father is talking to his son, and he, and he wants his son to be an architect, to be happy, to have a family, and to be a successful architect. And the, and the two of them work on that together. This is going to be what I'm going to be. Then World War II begins, and the son signs up to go fight the war. That wasn't God's intentional will. That wasn't the father, rather's intentional will. But given the circumstance, the father and the son come to a conclusion that this is the right thing for him to do. So he signs up and goes off. And when he comes back again, indeed he does come back in this story, then, then what, is, what happens? Well, he doesn't choose to be an architect anymore. Now he wants to be a pastor. And he wants to, but he's still going to be happy, and he's going to be holy, and he's going to give his life to serving God, which is what the intentional will was too. But in this case, what was the most important? What was the thing that really mattered? It wasn't that he would be an architect. It was that he lived this happy and this holy life committed to the, the love of God in his heart. That's God's ultimate will. That's what God will not, that will not be thwarted. So I want you to imagine this journey between God's, God's intentional will at the beginning and God's ultimate will at the end. How do we get from point A to point B? God says, we're going to do that together. You and me, we're in this together. We're in a partnership here. And so together we will figure out how we're going to get from point A to point B. And we're going to, we're, and we're going to do that in prayer as we pray our way through that. Imagine what my wife and I used to uh, uh, go to Destin, Florida for vacation with all of our kids. And so at the beginning we would plan a route out, right? This would be D's intentional will. <laughs> We'd plan a route out. We're going to go I-10 until we get to the place where I-12 cuts off New Orleans, and we're going to go across that, and then we're going to go all the way to the Mid-Bay Bridge. Oh, we're going to stop in Slidell to uh, spend the night, 
And uh, then when we get to the Mid-Bay Bridge, we're going to cut, cut uh, back south again and, and come in just on the other side of Destin. And that's where we're going to stay. That's the plan. Well, I-10 gets closed. So now what are we going to do? Well, now D and Tom, the driver, D the, D the navigator, uh, have to have a conversation about what we're going to do, which way are we going to go? And I say, I think we should go over that way. And she says, no, no, I think we should just sit here on the, on the, uh, on the um, road and wait for I-10 to open back up again. And I said, I don't think that's the best plan. And she says, all right, well, then it's on you. If we want to go this way, I'll go with you anyway. When we pray to God, we are indeed in this relationship. We are in a partnership with God. And so the point, of, the point of the conversation is not just building this intimacy, this incredible relationship with God. The point here is building a relationship that's pointed in a particular direction, that is moving towards God's purposes. And as we pray... As we pray, those, it does make a difference. In a way we don't quite understand, God uses our prayers to make a difference. Just like God uses everything else to make a difference. Just like uses our work and uses our brains and uses our energy and uses our time and uses our money and all of those other things we pour into this relationship with God, God uses our prayers as well. And in that partnership together, we continually want to move towards God's ultimate will. That for this, in this story, it's that God would make Israel's name great. That they would be a holy nation, that they would bless the whole world. And God, God said, well, I'm going to do it just with you, Moses, because these people are, are acting like such jerks. And Moses says, no, let's not do it that way. You know how, you know how much you love them. I know you're a God who relents. I know it makes a difference. So why don't, we just, why don't we just see if we can get them to come with us? So that's the, that's the picture we have here. I, 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 I want to close with uh, just a, a, an image that I think could be uh, helpful to you. A few years ago, I went uh, to MD Anderson Hospital and was... Um, in the pre-op room with uh, a patient who was going to have some really serious surgery. And um, we, I guess, you know, the family was there, actually two members of the family were there, and we held hands, we were having a prayer, and just as we're praying, the surgeon walks in for that, you know, that pre, actually there were, it was the surgeon and the anesthesiologist, I mean, the whole, a bunch of the people from the team walk in, and we're having the prayer. And um, I say, amen, and then I say, you know, the, you all are here, I'm going to excuse myself. And he said, no, he said, uh, I want you to stay. And then he gave them a little, he gave them a little lecture. And he said, I, to the, me and the family, he said, I need you to keep those prayers coming. I need you to keep those prayers coming because we want to do everything we can to make this surgery successful. And there's sometimes 
in this surgery, I can't identify what made it work and what made it didn't, made it not work. Um, so I, I really need your help. So during this surgery, will you all keep praying? And of course. Because God will use our prayers to figure out what direction we'll get that, that which route we'll take to get to God's ultimate purpose, which, the, which is the healing and salvation of all of us. Let's pray together.